is hilarious. We're live. No more tacos. That's your hey, cue, Justin. You're supposed to introce us. What are you doing? It's my cue. Yeah, Ben's the intro guy. No, he left. He literally he left. Left. So then you're the backup guy. Welcome <laughs> to the totally professional, the most professional Dresden Files podcast. We're your hosts, whoever we are. Some would say the only professional Dresden Files podcast. We would. <laughs> We'd be those people. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, we're continuing um, Cold Days for like the 11th time. Uh, I think this is technically only episode two for it, right? So, yes. this, is part two. this is part two. It feels like part four because we had a couple of false starts in there. So, yes. Never we mind did all. try. Yeah. Not very hard, um, but we did. Yeah, I was going through the uh, the Dragon Con uh, Q&A that was linked. That's probably the only bit of news is that Jim was at Dragon Con. Uh, didn't seem like there's anything too, too crazy. Um, EG dropped a little nugget saying that I guess one of the chapters in the word of Kemmler was about Black Court Vampires, which is why Mavra wanted the book. So, yay, more crazy theories you can generate and stuff. Yep. Um, nice tidbits, uh, nothing earth shattering. Right. So other than that, I mean, do we have anything else before we just dive in? We're going to spoil everything. We're going to swear a whole fuck ton. Um, so be prepared. We may not kick people off the show indiscriminately, apparently. Uh, he is now blaming it on technology. <laughs> I think it's the Taco Bell's revenge that he was promoting Del Taco, quite honestly. <laughs> they were like, and cut him, get him. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, that's not fair. They got to pay us for those kinds of privileges. So yeah. they've been paying him. He just hasn't been sharing it. Oh, that's, He's that's why he keeps saying we're professional. So it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mystery solved. All right. So when, when we last uh, left our hero, uh, basically we were at demon reach getting the dumb, dumb version. And then we spent a lot of time arguing about if there were 12 or 13 tunnels, which I think we had we had reached the conclusion that there are 13 tunnels and the 12 number in Cold Days is a misprint or mistake, mistake. or whatever you want to call it. So yes. I believe even Priscilla said something. Yeah, it's meant to be 13. And so, I mean, that's... Well, he says it in, in the first chapter of Skin Game. Right. right. So, official retcon. I'd like to see how that makes it into the time travel book. We're like, Dresden goes back in time. We'd be like, I need an extra tunnel here. Okay. Who has a shovel? Right. <laughs> and it's easier to just make, like, you don't see this tunnel. Yeah, because that's the really bad He reels his, his own tunnel from himself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, his skills are probably going to be that much better by then. So He's a little better at Earth Magic than he used to be. Oh, uh, he, so not not just veils it. You think he's going to literally excavate it with with earth magic? I like Obviously. it. Um, so pretty much where we left off, I think, was between that and arguing about whether or not you know twenty four hours is twenty four hours Chicago time or not, which I think made the most sense because that was where the local portal let out. Uh, was where I kind of like left it, but after that, we were getting back on the boat to go back to Chicago. Yes, we're roughly at the chapter 18 beginning of trying to leave Demon Reach, and we didn't yet make it to the boat. Right. You know, so, I mean, the next the lex, the next line in here is the line about sex tense. So, you know, yeah. other than that. Um, so, yeah, like uh, Thomas talking about, like, ever since those pirate movies, you know, this stuff is everywhere. I've even got a sex tent, and Dresden be like, every tent you have is a sex tent. So that's where we kind of left off. Um, but you know, um, him, so the, the big reveal of course, being more about the whole time travel explosion and, and Chicago in the Midwest actually being at stake. So Dresden starting to take that part of it more seriously, where he was just like, I don't got time for this shit. I've got to go kill an immortal. Now he's like, well, fuck, I guess I better save Chicago while I'm at it. Um, so, you know, he and his brother are arguing a bit and a lot of this stuff, the context didn't make it into my memory as much, but, you know, he just kind of, uh, asks Thomas if he's busy and Thomas gives him a regular, like kind of flippant answer. He's like, okay, so after that, would you like me, would you like to help me save the city if you don't have plans, you know? So you just get some of their banter and whatnot. Um, during the conversation, you find out that Laura has actually been one of the backers of the Paranet. 
So she has like a special response team that she calls out anytime, you know, they need heavy hitters for the Paranet to kind of like chase, chase off some of the FOMOR and the like. Definitely. We're going slightly out of order. Are we? Did I skip too far ahead? Well, I think you focused in on the... While we're doing the episode, I'm reading my notes. So I'm just kind of skimming through it, trying to keep us more or less in order because this conversation, I think, happens after they get attacked. Okay. So I don't... I didn't take any notes other uh, about the attack because I just generally remember it happening, so... Yeah, I think uh, it's before the attack. So. Uh, not according to my ebook. <laughs> right, she's she's reading it as we go, whereas I can't do that nonsense. So if you want to take the milepost, go for it. Well, yeah, so they're they kind of touch talk about prioritizing things, and like Mave is just as important as Demon Reach exploding. Ironic. Yeah, then they have uh, the sex tent comment as they notice the jet skis of the. Yeah, they literally uh, get like shot at right as they're coming off the dock. Yeah, because I mean, they had one line of it, like, Dawn is now happening, and now it's different. That means Fairy is able to be left right. by the Red Cap. Um, yeah, and then there's fighting and fighting and stuff. And then I think after that, when they're dealing with the bullet holes, is when they have that conversation. Okay. But, I mean, even before that, we have Molly do her one-woman rave thing and her fog cloud over the water. And mm-hmm. talking about how, like, Harry's not even sure he could do that. Uh, they have that conversation in the SUV when they're driving away. Oh, okay. There you go. So. There's a lot of Harry and Thomas in this book, which is fantastic, but it is keeping it into the right order. Right. Yeah, because, I, I mean, as they're driving away, I don't remember if anything happens before, but I know they have their meeting with Fix, you know. When they very get shortly, there. So. Yeah, that was when they yes. arrive. Right, that's their next main stop, and then that's where they set up the whole thing at the garden, the first garden. Um, uh, no, um, well, Fix threatens him mm-hmm. before. Uh, that's true. Exactly what he was told to not do the last time they had, were in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not. He sets up the the, the meeting with Cat Sith to go and perform. So I think Fix was uh, threatening him to stay away. Right, right. Okay. They get into Thomas's apartment, and he contacts Vaterung. Right. Then he summons Cat Sith. Yeah, to get rid of Lara's goons. Mm-hmm. And ask Cat Sith to arrange a meeting with Lily. Right. And Thomas is very respectful once he realizes who Cat Sith is, and even children can learn manners. So. That whole exchange was great. Right. Oh, right. Okay. I and I remember the context. Of one of the other lines here. So the so they're at Thomas's apartment, and he he unplugs the phone and makes a circle around it. He's like, "You're good for money, right?" And he's like, ah. and then Harry hexes everything yes. on the, <laughs> in the apartment. So because that would startle Laura's people into scrambling and trying to figure out what's going on, and that is information he's then basically giving to Vatterung as a peaceful gesture for wanting to meet and get information from him. Right. That was his price. You know, mm-hmm. basically yeah yeah <laughs> and, uh then they summon cat sith and everyone be calm right <laughs> what <laughs> yeah uh and then it, he goes from there to to max uh pretty much to meet veteran right so yeah after uh thomas makes nice with cat sith they right. said, uh, we have to go to accorded neutral territory and molly says oh good i'm starving which is the classic way of introducing Max plays now. Right. Cause it, I mean, that's a Murphy line even, right? Like, doesn't she say that a couple of times where she, like in previous books, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, we need to go, we need to go to Max. Oh, good. I'm starving or something like that. So yeah, I feel like it's not the first time we've heard that line. I Definitely guess. not. So, I think Molly said it a couple of times in the past and gotcha. Murphy. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, really fun conversation with Vatarung. Um, the only two nuggets that I really noted was that apparently most of the Great Council knows about Demon Reach, which should give you an idea of, of how up on the power scale they are. And then the fun conversation about paradoxes and trying to explain time travel to Harry and how there's a, um, a conservation of history 
mm. is how he puts it. And then the whole grandfather paradox too. Like what happens if I go back in time and kill my grandfather? He beats you senseless, I presume, you know, so. And then him being like, wait, shit, Datarung knows who Ebenezer is. <laughs> like that's problematic, so. Well, or we know least... he knows Ebenezer, but he knows they're related. Mm -hmm. Right. Which means that Datarung knows probably hell of a lot more, which is makes sense given who he is. Right, well, and I mean, we again we should know this because he went to Chichen Itza as Vaterung, presumably, right? So he was there as Vaterung, so the mantle Vaterung knows all of this stuff, right? Like okay. that's that's what's kind of funny because it seems like Vaterung can play across his mantles, but it seems like otherwise the knowledge can be sequestered to me. Like, I don't know if that's just a me thing, but- I think that's just a you thing, because like, that's definitely not how I get it. The person that holds all the different mantles has all this knowledge. I don't know how much of it might be kept if the mantles were passed on to someone else. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I'm pretty sure what, everything he knows when he's Kringle, he knows when he's normal Odin, but, you know, if Mab calls him up as Vaterung, he can, like he says in the next book, tell her to kick rocks. With <laughs> Kringle, that information comes more freely. Yes. Right. So he has to go by the courtesies of whichever mantle he's being invoked as. Or obligations, mm -hmm. since that's the more important thing. Vaterung right. is not ob obligated to Mab, but Kringle is. Right, but the information is still it's there. Still there. Gotcha. I mean, even when Harry calls him up in Skin Game, he's expecting him to come as Vaterung. So he's expecting to get this information from Odin, not Kringle. Right. Ah, I forgot about that. And he, he well, would say and he came as Kringle, really? So. Right. Well, I mean, he has been very helpful as Vataron slash Odin. Right, and there's no reason for Harry to think that he's necessarily going to not know the information if he comes as the other. He's just surprised at it because it didn't make sense, but then Vataron explains the obligation thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. I'll have to pay more attention to that in skin game because thinking about it now, honestly, like Kringle would be more obligated to Harry on multiple levels than Vaterung would be in theory from what we know right now, because I mean, first of all, Kringle having ties like as a fairy to winter court, but also the fact that Harry kicked his ass. So like under, like under the hunt, presumably like Harry's got the pecking order now. Which well, at a minimum, it means he could probably be a leader of it just about any time he wants, like the Earl King and Kringle are. Right. I don't know that that necessarily that means he, he so owes him, but um, debts don't transfer across mantles, right? No. It's what it's it's. Right uh, there's even a word to Jim about this. If you owed the Winter Lady, you owe the, you now owe Molly. Yeah. So it transfers that way, but right. it's like if you owed Harry Dresden, Wizard of the White Council, that doesn't mean you owe the, the Winter Knight something. Right. If you owe Except Molly something, not the Winter Lady. Right. Yeah. Then you owe it to Molly. So yeah. I mean, that's it's technically because these people are the people who hold the, both these jobs. In essence, there's no difference, but there's a huge difference when it comes time to call on these things. So right. if Which the mantle passes, obligations and right, stuff, or right. if the mantle passes. So if Molly died and you owed her a favor specifically, well, too bad. But like, Harry yeah. is building up a debt to Vaterun slash Kringle slash Odin and everything. Well, he owes him a favor after this conversation at a minimum. And yes. what did he pay for skin game? Or is that taken out of Map's ownership debt obligation? No, he, Kringle, he says as much. You you have the right to call on. He also he pays, to, right? Yeah. With the right the, the, ear, the, other, the, ear, the cufflinks. Yeah. And well, the Chichen Itza stuff was literally a gift. So, like, so far, we've been very good about keeping the ledgers clean. Except in this one, all he has to bargain with is a debt. Well, but he's information for a favor. That's pretty common. He's, yeah. But he's he's forced to pay those cufflings. Like, Radarong don't want him to owe him anything. He's like, pay me the oh, cufflings. he doesn't give him the cufflings. cufflings. He gives him no. a nickel. Yeah, and he doesn't have a nickel, which is why it was like, well, the price is a nickel. What right. do you have? And that. Driving home that point that Odin has always cared about is what do you have? You have friends. He teaches him a lesson and then he takes his offer of a favor, which he's probably going to use for, you know, hashtag team heel turn to get him involved with the, the gods. I thought he said that was Hades. Hades gets him involved. That might be. Yeah, you're right. But hey, but Vatarang's going to have talked him up. I think that I think there's both those tidbits were in there. Like, you know, Vatarang talks him up to them and Hades is like, oh, yeah, no, you know, this guy, he'll be good. Right. I mean, it could be like the blood rights thing where he's doing 
Kringle's or Vaterung's friend a favor, Hades, right? Hades needs a guy and Vaterung's like, cool, I've got a guy who owes me a favor. Here you go. Boom. You know, so anyway, all of that's very fascinating right before they get jumped by uh, an outsider. Not that that's important at all to the rest of the story. So is there anything else you want to cover before doing that? Um, let me read. I'm glad to pay you Tuesday for a sandwich today. That's <laughs> and there is the line of uh, Molly is like feeling with her senses into that. It's like uh, figuring out who Vaterung is and how powerful he is. And I think uh, Thomas says about what Harry is demanding from Vaterung. Like, think of doing that to Donald Trump or George Soros. Right. Yeah, by demanding a meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, he and Thomas then have that little talk about how he's looking at Molly like she's food and suppressing yeah. her emotions. And you don't want to be a monster like me. And, you know, all the Harry self pitying shit that he goes through. Yeah. All the but Thomas self pitying thing that he goes through. No, this was mostly Harry's. He was, Thomas was calling him out on it. I mean, right. there was a little bit of Thomas's self pity in there too. Well, I mean, when your brother is essentially like, I don't want to be a monster unspoken like you. Right. So. I, I know that look because it's been me, you know, type of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And if Harry doesn't control the crazy winter urges, then he'll do something wrong. Do math. Just do math and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and honestly, just to touch on it here, because the conversation is going to happen later and I'm not 100% sure it's in my notes anyway, though. But like... Harry's going to do something wrong by Harry, right? Like, that's what's funny because, like, Molly's like, but if it's given, you know, like, you can't do anything wrong if I want it. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay, so then it gets foggy outside, right? Yeah. Uh, and, so and Molly then, is sent to go deal with the little people, fairies, and right. then they're talking and it's foggy. And it's like, I thought the mist already burned off this morning. And enter Sharkface. Right. He comes in as a sphere of rags. Which is very confusing until he's like a dude inside the sphere of rags and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, he's lanky tall and he's got a stand hunched. That's how tall he is. So like probably taller than Harry tall. Taller uh, than Tiny, I think. Wasn't Because Tiny was still standing up straight in small favor, I think. No, I thought he was crawling around on his knees. Tiny uh, was like, like not crawling, but like very hunched over. Okay. Right. I was going to say, yeah, he could barely fit in there. Right, okay. Right. He was like scraping, and he yeah, was like, he, yeah, he had the ceiling fans. It was like magical that he was able to get in the door, type of thing. And then, yeah, he, the ceiling fans like broke on his horns and stuff. But yeah, mm. uh, I don't remember. I don't remember when the shooting started because you know, pretty much it seems like Mac and everybody just start unloading on the thing as soon as it like breaks in the door, right? Well, yeah, he, Mac with his shotgun. He basically, the second he sees it, is like boom, <laughs> right? And so. and then. Wait, before he entered... It denies him three times, right? Yes. Uh, Sharkface was demanding, uh, send out the wizard three times. Oh, right. And, and Harry and says, no, fuck off. Right. And then he, he chucks in a... Was it for it? Was it a bomb or was it actual magic? Then he blows in. Well, it, it was... So it was the speaking stone, right? He threw right. in like a speaking stone he and was talking exploded. through and then it exploded. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then and then he comes in and, you know, they shoot at it some and like the rags basically absorb the attacks and everything. And then, you know, he's like, if you surrender, uh, I'll spare your companions. And then Mac reloads. Like, that's my favorite thing. Mac's like, okay, come get some, you bitch. You know, so like this well, whole thing is They also clearly bad. have history, right? Right. Or, well, or he also least... tells Harry when he and Thomas are bantering, he's like, don't talk, kill it. Just kill it. Yeah, yeah. So it, whether or not they have history, it, I mean, it seems like there's some of that, but they, they're certainly aware of each other as much as it matters because, well, I mean, at the, at a minimum shark face knows who Mac is. Cause the first thing right. he says to him is you. And then he tells him he has no place in this. Watcher. Right. No right. place for a watcher. Yeah. So, and then I think it was Mac was saying, no, I maybe it was Sharkface still. Like you made your choice long ago. Yeah, uh, uh, you you have no place in this watcher. Do you think this gesture has meaning? It is every bit as empty as you. You chose your road long ago. Have the grace to lie down and die beside it. Right. So and, I mean, I think this is where we should touch upon. Like, so favorite theories. Who is Miss Mac? 
tangent number three today? Yeah, hey, like okay, who said we needed more content? We need to <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on some tangents. Here we are in part seventy-three of Cold Days. <laughs> So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, Max, like the whole McAnally name, right? Get, drills you into, like, the Celtic side of things, right? And so you've got all of that, right? But there's a lot of things that that cross over multiple different kinds of fables and myths. Like, Watchers, you know, it, I'm honestly, the nerd that I am, like, Watchers reminds me more of, like, modern comic book shit than you know, what we've got a lot in ancient myth. I'm, I'm sure that there are some watchers, right? The fact that he's like Mr. Clean and, you know, like stains don't touch him makes you think maybe a little bit of like white gods, you know, point uh, like side of the fence or something like that. So we've had, we've had, you know, all sorts of theories like Dionysus or somebody like that, or, you know, literally Jesus Christ, you know, or on and on and on, you know, and, and, me, I tend to think he's more like one of the angels, like or an archangel, possibly an unnamed one. Um, but still, like, how do you rectify that with like McAnally's, right? Like, it doesn't strike me that somebody out of like the Celtic or Gaelic myths would fit his power level and what I would expect out of him and him being a watcher. Like, there's nobody in that mythos that i could think of fits the bill not that i'm like an expert but i got nothing to latch on to there whereas like i could see him being like adjacent to uh uriel in some way where he was like he was supposed to watch but he broke the rules and that's part of why he's not allowed to get intervened anymore is because he already made his choice you know i i don't know any other favorites you want to throw out there i'm i honestly don't I mean he's definitely something Powerful, but like I, I honestly don't know what he is. I have no solid theories on him. I mean, he's. Are we getting a hint with the fact that he likes to brew beer, or is that just like a red herring? Well, yeah, and that's and that's part of it too, right? Because most of the theories that I'm familiar with come from like the side stories where he's like, you know, the world famous brewer, and he's entering these contests, and he he seems to have some kind of attachment with. Um, crap why can't i think of the name of the monster now the uh grendel um, yeah the grendel um and and all of that stuff right so it's still you know northern europe in there somewhere right but at the same time like did sigrun respond to mac in any way to seem that they they knew each other nothing no, special i think I he met up with, with sigrun when they were um they were already hunting but afterwards yeah. they were drinking beer together uh, Harry and Sigrun, and I was just wondering, did, did she respond to him in any way? I don't remember, but I don't think so. Right. Nothing's like... Oh, look. Okay. Encyclopedia it up. And we know he's like, he's basically immortal, right? He can he, he heals as soon... The only re reason he doesn't heal is if he doesn't want to, it seems like. Well, yeah, so, I mean, they, they mentioned this in the later chapters. It was like, he, uh, you know, because he was unconscious. That's mm -hmm. why he yeah. last time or whatever it was. Yeah, because in the other short stories, when uh, the bar got attacked, he I think refused pain medication and is just being conscious the whole time, yes. and he healed at a normal rate. Yeah, so which suggests to me that that's like a willful effort. Like he chooses not to heal, and then when he was unconscious, he just he healed. Right. Read the quote about you made your choice. Blah 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 again. You have no place in this, Watcher. Do you think this gesture has meaning? It is every bit as empty as you. You chose your road long ago. Have the grace to lie down and die beside it. Right. So uh, that, that kind of opens the question for what is he watching for? Um, and uh, I mean, the big, we already know, I kind of uh, meta narratively, big apocalyptic trilogy. And of course, uh, a watering hole near this great nexus of. The magical forces or whatever it's gonna be a great place to wait around for that and especially when you learn that harry dresden's there and then you get to know harry dresden you know so uh i have a strong feeling what is he what does the watching entail is it watching everything that's happening or is it watching for something is it uh watching the the whole the whole tale of all existence and it ends with his death or oh does it only end with his death if uh the outsiders win so is he God? 
I think some people have taken it that far. They have. People have. People have I taken it that far. Yeah, I think so too. I, well, and part of why I wanted you to read the whole quote about the, the road again and everything like that is because I'm like, let's just do a quick Google search, right? So we've got um, like, what did I even put in? It was like um, Nordic lore white watcher, right? Because mm-hmm. we've got more more hits there than anywhere else. What's the number one result? Heimdall, who can see crazy distances, who was the whitest of the gods, who, you know... Heimdall's also basically the gatekeeper. Right? (laughs) It it seems that it it fits the schema uh, that Mac might have been the gatekeeper when the Norse were in power, but the only thing I I have to back that up is that he gets called a watcher. Right. And that's the thing. Like, every time we try to pin it down, we get like 80% of a fit. And then there's just that one little right. detail that doesn't quite fit. Like I'm, I'm now a fan of the Heimdall theory that just came out here, right? Except the fact that Sigrun would definitely fucking know who he was. So in the, uh, but Odin does though, right? Doesn't Odin know? Odin, Odin knows, him. sure. And but... uh, Mab knows. All the right people know. Vaterung yeah. made a specific effort and was very happy to have made Mac laugh right when Harry was walking into the bar. He seemed very happy with that. Um, in in uh, the the text that E.G. just helpfully posted, it's guard smiled slightly and bowed her head to him. Mac departed. I think guard knows who he is, and was just going with his alias, or at least is vague enough to allow that. Although I'm going to have to scrounge it up because uh, well, and that, almost that 100% fits. certain that there was a word of Jim that said he's not a Norse god. Oh, okay. gotcha. he's not and a god. Somebody asked him about Heimdall before. That would have been a perfect fit. Cool. Well, I mean, if there's a word and of Jim, there's a word of Jim. Right. That's the problem, right? Like all of the theories about Mac. It well, always. I mean, then, then this is zero percent fit. Well, there's bad. twelve tunnels in cold days and thirteen. <laughs> I mean, the mo- the the prevailing theory for quite some time was uh, Grigori, which is a Watcher angel. Um. You know, they were the they were basically the giant. I mean, it, not that it matters. They were like the giants among men who walked the earth and then got involved with mortals and and scion the nephilim and stuff like that. And then they obviously were cast down, sort of. So one thing that can crop up in the kind of larger body of mythological literature is the idea of the neutral spirits who haven't chosen one side or another. In the in the fae, you have winter, summer, and the wild fae. But more broadly, you have uh, something like white god versus outsiders, and then the people that didn't make the choice, which fits the Gregory Watchers. But sometimes in that in those in that category of middle spirits uh, is specifically uh, kind of benign river spirits or benign uh, gods here and there, like the little the little gods who handle the little things or who have just temporary kind of domain, who have limited knowledge or limited power. And that would fit if maybe they're, uh, that would fit the kind of uh, syncretic egalitarian vision of mythology that the Dresden Files kind of has. You have a uh, uh, mouse being called a little brother by, uh, by uh, Uriel, right? Uriel, Uriel says that, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And then in a similar vein, you could have uh, the, the Watcher being the Gregory angel, Mac being the Gregory angel, the, just watching what happens. But he did not choose to fight for the host. He did not choose to rebel. He chose just to watch and wait. And that's that fits that. But the other but middle spirits could have... sitting got you sent to hell as well, because that's what Last Shield did. Yeah, they got kicked out for sure. You know, they they fell, <laughs> if not all the way to hell. Like, the, in, some, in some mythos, there's sure. a middle ground, but... Like sure, you said, Shield definitely waited too long and made her choice. And, so, and whatever Mac did, he is a personal enemy of the outsiders. Right. And, uh, and I kind of like the idea that maybe he's a gatekeeper, right? But we already know who. Well, I mean, unless he was the gatekeeper before. Before Rashid, yeah. So. Well, the, the gatekeeper before Rashid is, is implied to be Odin, with the eye being Odin not having the eye and Rashid having this. Because they're the same person. <laughs> no, no! Oh my goodness! Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe they're the same. They're not. But 
the old seeing eye Odin with his little eye motif. He's got the little eye that comes out. Yeah, your identity is so secure. But you have your false eye has it's the tool of the office. Just okay. I well, are you so next next on Dresden Files podcast? Uh, why (laughs) Ebenezer is actually Mother Winter because that's not that wrong. Yeah. You cannot prove that they are not the same person that is completely different than the mother bullshit that you're trying to throw. I can't, I can't right wait now. till that gets disproven in this next book because we'll finally see them in the same place at the same time. Will we? Okay. Everything's going to happen in peace talks. Well, when he fucking prints the book, I'll have lots of proof for some of my crazy bullshit. I have no indication Rashid will be there. He's one of the senior council members. So he's one of the really talking ones. Is, is whatever his thing. He just goes around gatekeeping, whatever that means. Oh, Rashid was not a talkie. Was not a talkie. <laughs> Remember the <laughs> senior council. Latch on to that sir. one, sir. Huh? <laughs> so, all right. Oh, okay, all right. Continue. So that was fun, but basically, more the the most we get out of Mac in in the actual you know book and everything like that is you know Harry asking him for some help or some information and Mac being like can't I'm out and then you know Harry basically being like like when this is over we're gonna have a really long conversation and Mac being like no we're not <laughs> you know which is like more than he's spoken in the entire series up to this point so before excluding changes really but um right. It is weird to think of all of the help Mac is not giving while also giving and like shotguns and all that stuff. Yeah, Versus but Mac's got to know that it doesn't actually do anything. Mac gave Harry his fucking car. Right. And that was... It was in Stormfront to get away from... Uh, was Stormfront? ...enough to be able to go uh, Victor Shadowman. Right, right. Indiana. Yep. I think it's... I mean, he has to be. He's very limited in what he has to say, right? Like when, when, when after this, when he lines up the three beer bottles and like right. and hitting the watchers. Yeah, but maybe it, he's not so limited in like mortal, normal, everyday, like lending someone a car. Maybe. I mean, it could be he can't say things about the outsiders, like the ways that fairies are restricted to saying things, but he can put beer bottles on a table. <laughs> and they, it could be, the beer is such a primordial thing. It's literally what kept people alive in the Ice Age. So beer is just the thing. It could just, it doesn't have to be connected with the Norse gods anyway. And so this completely fits. He has to live as a mortal. Beer is what mortals have been drinking. So he has an attachment to it. And he's really good at brewing it by now. Because he's I mean, had thousands and thousands of beers of experience. That was not so millions. much bullshit. But okay. <laughs> what? How? <laughs> you you were like just a special thing about liking beer. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm just saying, like, if he's if he's the angel thing and he whatever, he's watching. He's out. Maybe the thing is that he's doomed to watch as a mortal and as or as an immortal mortal. You know, whatever. Some kind of like he's actually immortal, but he lives like a regular human, and that would explain why he's able to do things like loan out the car. He just can't provide knowledge or supernatural assistance or whatever right and you got to think too right like if he so eg just posted the the uh you know q a the word of jim where he says that he's not a norse god right so like one of the things that i have a tough time reconciling mac with is that if he is some kind of supernatural power he's the most clued in supernatural power that we've seen Mm -hmm. right like i I get it like uriel right well, even more so than Uriel, because Uriel he Uriel can talk the lingo, right? But he's not coming at Harry with the if you if you have an airplane just to use the headlights thing, right? Mac fucking knows mortal technology. He's got the guns, he gets the car. Mac owns a fucking car. Which other like the only reason why the she do it is because it's expected of them in their guise. But even like, in that they can't make it seem not glamorous right and right. but that and i mean that's part of it too but yeah. like the jet ski thing and then shooting guns right like that that's a little hard to reconcile with this theory that i'm spinning right now but like that's one of the things that that's always thrown me for mac is like even even like mab when she comes to the mortal world and whatnot she's still off 
Whereas yeah. like if Mac didn't know all this crazy shit, he has no business knowing we wouldn't know that he's not just a mortal dude. Yeah. You know, he, like, but he also lives here. The amount of respect he gets from extremely powerful supernatural beings as well is right. I mean, Mab doesn't spend most of her time in the mortal world either. Mac, by dint of living here, would have to know these things. Well, she's BFFs with Sarissa and goes around to baseball games. And yeah, stuff. they go do events, but she doesn't <laughs> stay. I mean, when she, she stays here, here, winter falls around. You can't watch TV weekend. at Arctic Store, right? Don't know. The signals are crap. I, mean, I bet you she has like a. a condo and every i don't discount that she owns property i'm just saying she she doesn't stay in the more she's too powerful what if she just moves with the seasons for too long going to denmark now it's winter there i mean look what happened when she stayed or she stuck around in ghost story for what was it six months and the whole place was like snowing everywhere into like not her season what if she moves with winter she does jim said and again i don't discount that it wouldn't be easier during winter but i She's still too strong to just hang around here. If she's on the same level as Ferrovax, who can warp reality around him if he goes into his natural form and sticks around in the mortal world and has to be careful, well, same deal with her. She's a little easier to do it. She can get away with it better because the Fae are t- tied closest to the mortal world and she moves with the seasons. So she probably has like little subtle, uh, you know, kind of like how the gatekeeper is old but not dead old because he uses the ebb and flow of the never never to cheat you know mab and titania probably cheat a little that way they can hang out more than someone like a dragon but they still can't be here for too long right i mean the only supernatural thing we've seen mac do is healing supernaturally fast when he's unconscious that happened once. other than the tremendous amounts of knowledge he has but a human can have that amount of knowledge there's nothing stopping him except for the fact why would they have shared it? The problem, so again, like all of the theories we have to this point, that fits 80%, but there are just things that, yeah. you know, coincidentally or, or incidentally, you're not going to be able to match up, right? So he knows he knows Odin, uh, Vaterung, uh, the Winter Queen. He was probably the gatekeeper before Rashid, but he's definitely mortal. Okay, no. Where's he been hiding? Where does he sleep at night that he's not aging? Because we know how Rashid's doing it, right? So in order for that to fit, we we need to come up with some other mechanism. So to me, the easiest thing to believe is that he's some kind of immortal, kind of like Tolkien elves, where he won't die of disease or old age or something, but he can definitely be perished. So, you know, maybe he's Asgardian or something, you know. He's functionally immortal, like a changeling or like a a scion would be. Yeah. A changeling, they have the the sense of being different. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if, and here's a crazy theory. I'm going to give out another crazy theory. Joy. Here's here. Let, let's just list the things we actually positively know. Because some of that, what you were just saying, was a bit of supposition. You know that he can be killed. Well, I mean, he heals very, very quickly. We're kind of thinking in X Men logic. That means he can be killed if he just killed quick enough. But honestly, he might Same just heal very, very quickly. There's, there, there's a lot of possibilities, but we know he heals very, very quickly. We know he can do, he can give gifts. And you know he is not allowed or cannot talk in some capacity, either is not allowed or, or is physically unable. We have or no... choose not, or choose yeah. not to, right. So, but, and also that he knows a lot of stuff and a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of things know him. He has some kind of primordial connection to to beer whether it's you know because he's from antiquity because he's from beyond time or because he just likes beer right or just because he likes beer here's an idea here's an idea some uh, one character of white god level significance which fits a lot of this very nicely what if he's cane agriculture growing grain brewing grain you got beer Cursed with, uh, cursed with some kind of walking around on the earth, and his baldness—that's uh, the mark of Cain. Baldness. Yeah, and that some tellings he, some tellings he's immortal or what have you. So, I mean, this fits about as well as anything. But th- I like the, I like the grain the whole, beer. It doesn't line up with the whole "I'm out" thing from the like what we know of the history of people like Cain. Gildas brother got punished. When was he yeah. ever in? That's how, the he 20%. He killed, he killed that's how he There's got out. He killed his brother. That's how he got out. Well, you know, you just add in the word, the a little bit of a 
you know, Dresden Files special stuff. So we're missing 20%, and that 20% is the Dresden Files special sauce, which you haven't found out what it is yet. And that'll come in a couple books, and then we'll figure well, out what the, the 20% in that case is just going to be when he tells us who Mac is. Like, I don't think there are more clues. Like, I'm pretty sure we've got you don't everything think so? we need. I'm pretty sure we've got everything we need to guess now. And we a lot of red herrings. Right. We just haven't fit it together. And what else could he tell us at this point? You know, that that isn't like, yes, he was the watcher before or he was the, the gatekeeper sure. before Rashid. Sure. Well, that's, that's who Mac is then. Like, <laughs> even if you give us a different name, that's the answer, you know. I guess it was this whole this whole Mac thing in the Revelation. We're coming in the context of a scene where Vaterung had just left and said, you have a, there's a lot of significance in you. And whatever people are now interested in you, and you came back from the dead, and now you're alive. And then, oh, and then uh, uh, Dresden says, "What do you mean? I don't understand." He says, "Correct that." So there, there's still a sense in the story, in the progression of natural arc of the series over 20 plus books, that we're still at the point where there still might be a good amount of revelation, a good amount of clues. Uh, I wouldn't put past Jim to have a couple more little hints like this before he has a big payoff towards uh, book 20 or whatever. Right. Hmm. Anyway, digression and, or do you want to keep going? I mean, I feel like we should get back on track. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the director don't care. So let's continue speculating. <laughs> okay. So chapter 23. Uh, From here is my notes jump to the gardens for the trick or treat at the gardens thing. Uh, reading, reading, reading. Um, say something while I read. Yeah, very interesting here. I mean, what are you reading? Yeah, she's she's reading the book because this is how she takes notes. Is that she oh. could apparently read and do things at the same time usually. Um, the, so, I mean, assume I, like I said, there weren't any other crazy nuggets. Like they fight Mac gives the three beer bottles. And then like this whole book is literally Harry being like, I don't got time for the shit and going to the thing that he also doesn't have time for. Um, so at this point he pretty much goes to the gardens to talk yeah. to Lily and, you know, he, because it's Harry and because he's you know, clue, you know, clued in slash the winter night. He knows that there's like loads of fairies and other, you know, bodyguards around, right? So yes. um, to the point, Kat Sith says, if you prefer, I can slash your throat open now and save the vampire the cost of fuel. Right, right. Um, for me, the, yeah, the one so of the sassy. biggest- I love him. Yeah, for me, one of the biggest things that I got out of this conversation other than, you know, like, the usual tidbits that you get that she drops on is the fact that Lily thinks Harry could be infected. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's important because that's, to me, that's still an open question and something that we've approached multiple times in the show, which is can mortals actually be infected, like openly changed? We know the dark wizards, the FBI agents, the yada, 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 they've been corrupted through power, right? But there hasn't been something so much as like, he's a puppet right? Like they do to Cat Sith. Lily, not not Lily, um, Maeve presumably keeps some of her autonomous will because she thinks she has anyway. Leah knew that she was basically being a puppet, even though she got some of what she wanted. She knew that her will was not her own and that she needed to be saved, right? Maeve openly rejects being saved, which is part of why the, the whole plot of this book but Lily, for once, she's the first person, I think, and, and the only person who's acknowledged that humans can be infected, or at least she thinks they can, because they've told her how to detect it, right? Which is something that we get later in the book anyway, is that Maeve taught her how to tell when somebody's in a Sorry, caught this. Bless you. So, um, so Lily or Maeve taught Lily how to detect when somebody's infected so that she could pass the test herself and convince Lily and all she has to do is sacrifice a couple of peons, right? So may not be the the best you know indication, but I just thought that was interesting that Lily thought she could tell. Um so and then you know basically I through part of it I think they do talk about, you know, the 
previous people that you know harry's gone up against right so you know they're they're saying anyway that victor the uh the feds kravos were all infected um well, at least tainted by it is what she says yeah okay and that and that's what i wanted to clarify too is because to me it, it feels like i don't know I, this analogy is coming up a little short but it's like you know the it's like being manipulated by the rings of power versus being like openly turned into a ring wraith or something right like there's there's a difference here right like you know you can be swayed by the power without necessarily being like openly puppeted because there's clearly a difference between like victor and the feds were under an influence versus cat sith as a fucking marionette you know like somebody's got his strings so it still um, seems like a pretty open-ended question right whether or not you right. can be directly impacted or impacted like a mortal or human yeah exactly i mean because at least the way it operates it seems to or it has seemed to work so far with it makes you go against your nature now you can do that as a human you can go against your normal innate nature but you also as a human always have the ability of choice to go against your nature in everyday life just on your own Right. So what it latches onto in the Fey and what it does, you know, making Leah be able to go up against, uh, to defy her, her queen, to go against Mab, making Aurora go against the balance, against the nature of, of, of the equity between the courts to allow uh, Maeve to lie. You know, these things are things that are inherently things that the Fey can't do. Right. So it's still it depends on whether or not nemesis was just kind of like pulling this obviously they had impact and they were pulling the strings behind denton and kravos and cells but whether or not they were directly inside them quote unquote like they were in the others is the question i'm leaning right. towards they that can't influence i tend to lean towards they can't do i i think the whole mortals and having free will and this whole importance about that and various word of gyms and various factions that like that sort of thing tends to i just uh, like you could you could influence them obviously you can make a human go against their morals and their own code but i tend to think that nemesis is is a little more hands-on that way and humans are just a bit too flexible and unpredictable and you know the others with the rigid rules can be more easily manipulated in that way right i also think like the lilies oh you've not been infected it's like well what does she really know like well she doesn't i mean they say as much at the end of the book is that all you know mab is like if it was that easy fucking it would nemesis wouldn't be a problem yeah, so right. she's not really an authority on can mortals even be infected because she's probably been lied to. Right. Good point. But I mean, you, you know, even the, the best lies come with that little grain of truth. So I have no problem believing that Harry's first three cases and indeed the majority of his cases have been at least nemesis adjacent. Whether or not sure. that means direct infection is the question. Well, I mean, if, if we're going to be nemesis adjacent, though, that takes us all the way back to Cal and Kamori and the Black Council, which have definitely been involved. Well, and yeah, we find I mean, out, we find out allies at a minimum with them. One of them is probably, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the Black Council, some people think they're using them. Some people are maybe true believers and, and believe that the outsiders need to come in and wreck everything, you know, like dogma. What is that demon who is like, you know, actively aids the plan to end reality because, well, what's life for him life for him is shit anyway right so i'm sure there's there's a bunch of different i'm sure Cowan especially thinks he is is probably like justin he probably thinks he's running the show but actually he's not necessarily right so the red court was definitely a patsy for them oh yeah right so you know it, it, I'm sure there's various people on various levels playing multiple games of what they think is 40 chess with one another. And it's really funny is that Nicodemus is actually probably on team reality. Well, he is. I mean, yeah, I I as, far, I mean as far as we know, anyway, he wants to rule over the ashes, but he wants the ashes. Right. These are not, his not just that, but to me, to me, the most credible thing is that the reason why he wants to wipe out so much of of humanity is because the mortals are the ones that can bring the outsiders in and yep. therefore destroy reality so if i kill uh, them I, first 
I preserve reality. Yep. Oh yeah, that, that's we, that, I have no doubt he sees us as the biggest security risk. Right, and and so like that's the whole like lawful evil comes all the way around to lawful good almost right in his mind obviously like you know but killing yeah, but humans, we have told as much he thinks he's you know. safe reality of the world right mm-hmm. it's i mean here's another recent example it's a thanos complex right he's saving the universe by killing half of it that's what nicodemus is doing i'm sure you know is it, uh, obviously we got you know mainstream we got for the dresden files we got introduced to nicodemus before you know marvel got around to capitalizing on their their comic theories and everything like that but you know that's probably a better way of putting it is that you know obviously obviously he's the bad guy but you could almost see his point of view <laughs> you know like uh, so anyway um as well, as part Thanos's point of view in the movies yeah and not so right. much in the comic well, in the comics, it was different. Yeah. Right. In the comics, he was just straight up crazy because he wanted to bang death. Yeah. So, you know, they, I guess that was too crazy for them. So they wanted to make him more empathetic or something. I don't know. Only for it's half compel- of He's a and compelling they, character in the movies. switched right back to Maniacal Overlord in the last movie so that you had no problem with him dying. Yeah. Well, let's... It's the wrong podcast for that, but you you and I can spar that one afterwards. So, <laughs> um, so out, out of this conversation, we actually get quite a bit of information dump. So uh, Maeve shows up uh, partway through, basically drops the bomb that Mab is actually who's infected. So you've got the whole like Spider-Man pointing at himself meme going on where it's like, I'm not infected, you're infected. Um, but then they they do continue it on that like pretty much like all of Harry's case files tie into Nemesis in some way, right? So you've got vampires changing their diets, which this to me extends out to the White Court specifically and and getting their feeding on fear and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. The actions of the Fillmore are laid bare at their feet. So what's interesting to me here, right, is that they don't have any qualms of while while they are playing poker, they're definitely letting you see they're holding three aces, right? Like you definitely let me like, okay, so they're tipping their hand here, but it's also still a strong hand, you know? So they're, even though we haven't really dug into the Fillmore, they're basically telling you Fillmore is definitely team nemesis, you know, already. Um, so um, that's, I mean, that's what I got out of this conversation other than the ambush leaving, obviously. So is there anything else we need to add? Uh, I have a, I mean, a small thing. This is the last time we, until we see Cat Sith in the end. Like this is the last time he's going to appear in a second. Right. Right. Uh, Which, yeah, is the ambush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I had, I thought I had while we were talking and we were talking about Cat Sith. Small side tangent, just a quick one. Is yeah. is is writing Cat Sith like the inspiration for Aeronauts Windless and the cats in there? Do you think? Nah, Mister is the inspiration. Right. <laughs> I, I think, I think probably he's got he's got parallel ideas for you know what's going on right but like the the cats in the aeronauts windless turn more into like puss in boots than you know cat sith is just you know the anthropomorphic cat right like where it's like he he's definitely the takes shit from nobody mortal dude stuck in a cat's body you know mm. Also, he's the size of basically a jaguar. Right. So, that helps. So, Harry was trying to be clever when talking to Maeve and Lily about uh, being direct with them and demanding direct answers, which is how he gets conflicting information about whether Mab is infected or Maeve is infected because he has to assume someone is lying, but fairies can't lie. Right. Until he figures out that that's what allowed... Well, I don't think he ever considers that Maeve is... Uh, infected until way after, like after the red cap talks to Fix. Mm. When when he basically convinces Fix of what's going on, right? Like well, that too. I mean, later on on the island, but when he when he yeah. kind of when he finally has that speech where he's like, I like I know who my enemies now. I'm going to start ripping masks off when they head off to the island for the final fight. Yeah, and I think that it's only then that he's really cluing in on to who that that he's been played this whole time by her, right. Yeah. Well, when he was explaining everything to the gang at Molly's apartment and he was saying basically that someone has to be wrong. And so 
probably someone is lying. And then like three people say, well, fairies can't lie. That's the problem. Something has gone really, really wrong. Right. Um, and he was trying to get around the way that fairies can lie through omission by being direct, but that doesn't help when the fairy can lie. Right. right. He probably doesn't get that insight if he doesn't have his talk with Titania and Mother Summer. So. Mm-hmm. Because then he's still like, but they can't lie. But then he sees the bigger picture and that nemesis is a thing. And then it's like, oh, light bulbs. Well, and for him, it's like nemesis is a thing. But, you know, honestly, like this, we're skipping ahead again. But his conversation with, uh, you know, Mother Summer is really what tips it over. It's like, and we, we hinted at this a little bit last time, I think, where it's like, let's let's just say for a minute that Maeve is right. Do you really want Maeve to be right? <laughs> it's like uh, perspective mm-hmm. yeah exactly so because he's been getting fed this line since proven guilty by me that mab is like going nuts and right. yeah. you would think up until that point like i get that he is very smartly and rightly afraid of mab and thinks of her as insane in a way and because she's a fairy and this that and the other thing but from even from proven guilty when he gets that nugget onward up until this point he really should have clued in sooner onto who was, in my opinion, stringing him along here. Because, like, everything Mab has done is still within reason and logical and this, that, and the other thing. Even if some, it's... Some of it only makes sense in hindsight for this book, though, right? So even, if we... even with the whole kill my daughter, okay. So he has that conversation with the mothers later, and he's like, well... Let's say Mab, for the sake of argument, is nuts, and then all of a sudden, two-thirds of the court are now infected, right? Right. But at the end of the day, what, you know, then he sees the battlefield, and it's like, well, if she's really infected, you should know game would have been over a long time ago. Right, right. Well, for for me, it was always like take it take it from. So first of all, Harry's retarded, right? We already oh, know he's God, a yes. idiot. So the second thing there though is like look at all that he's gotten from Mab versus Maeve in the last several books. Like Maeve, Maeve is actually calmed down when he sees her. Like obviously she's still sleazy and she still makes a pass at him and whatever because she has to because she's Maeve, right? But she's had conversations with him and Max Barr and they've been mostly all above the table and everything but like that. That was when Mab- she was infected and that's when she was lying to him she calmed down doesn't know that we can't use ex post facto reasoning here so what i'm saying is compare that to what he's gotten out of mab here where mab showed up and just by speaking words melted his brain and she showed up a rage monster and she showed up completely flipped whereas like mave started to mellow out so yes those are both red flags right but if one chick starts acting somewhat normal and the other one goes off the deep end, which one do you think has lost it? Right. The crazy chick who suddenly becomes normal or the normal chick who suddenly became crazy? And that's why I, I think he is able to, you can string him along, but once he sees the gates and he sees that battle and he's talking to the gatekeeper, right. there should have been no doubt. Right. Yeah. It, it's a lot like turncoat with what you're talking about, Justin. Uh, you don't worry about a friend who's becoming happy. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, it's 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 a flip of that trope, right? And so, like, Mab's the one shows up crazy. She's the one that suddenly got a thing for jumping Harry's bones and then literally does it, you know? Like, just all of that stuff. So it's pretty easy to say, oh, yeah, actually, Mab might actually be the crazy one. But, like, as EG said, that might work up until you see the gates. And then you'd be like, wait, if she's nuts and she wants them to win, why is everything still working? You know, why <laughs> did they not just win? Because, yeah, that's that's a check. He does realize yeah. that there, right? He does realize Mab is not crazy. Mab is not well, crazy. I mean, that's the thing. I, do, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I'm pretty sure she's still, like, chewing it over back at the apartment, even after he has the, the Gates talk with them. And then he then he clues in, like, when the director said that, you know, but fairies can't lie, and then it, like, clicks in his head all of a sudden. It's like, no, it should have clicked in your head when you're looking at the World War II. Right. Yeah. We'll see when we get closer. All right. Part six or something. So the ambush is somewhat important for a couple of reasons. So as Andre has talked about, so basically they're on their way out. They realize that they're getting closed in. Um, he, he basically gives Cat Sith a line along the lines of indulge yourself. Uh, so Cat Sith starts like taking out kneecaps and shit. 
Yeah, and um, uh, what is it? Ace finds Harry and starts beating him a whole bunch, and Harry right. gets really, really, really loud because he knows Thomas is outside and will eventually make his way in. Right. And then, and then a tiny blonde uh, woman shows up. Yeah, and then Murphy sees him, complete with biker leathers and beating <laughs> her helmet, right? Or something like that. So, right. Uh, and then basically while Ace is wallowing and whining, we find out that, you know, he's got daddy issues, namely red cap is daddy. Cap. Yeah. And the red cap could not give a fuck. Like, yeah, he'd be like, oh, you're drowning here. Let me step on your head. Like levels of don't care. So, um, but yeah. Oh, oh right. The, and then the line, right. So cat Sith is running around behind him and then Harry's like, Hey, Weren't there seven of you guys a minute ago? <laughs> so weren't there six of you a minute ago? Right. <laughs> yep. Catsith was fantastic. This class we really see if it's a real catsith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then he gets overpowered and, and disappeared. And we don't find out until blasting rod later. So it's one of those things again where Harry like just trucks along and you're not supposed to notice. And then he's like, wait a minute. I haven't seen you since, oh, shit, the gardens. That's a long time. <laughs> so uh, there's there's some fun conversation with Harry and Thomas again, you know, catching up on why Karen doesn't like him and she's kind of well, bothered. And nah, skipping things. Okay. OK, so Harry uh, needs to be carried out of the gardens because he's got tiny bits of metal in him and it's kind of disrupting him in every way. They get him into Thomas's SUV and they notice that Captain Hook has been captured by being hooked onto Harry. Oh, and that so, happens here. Okay. Yeah, as they're leaving the gardens and uh, and he's bleeding all over the Hummer. Um, right. Yeah, they find Captain Hook, and then Harry wakes up with Butters working on him, and Hook is on a ceramic uh, cookie tray inside the oven. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's that was that line I skipped over because Gotta give, give her something that's, to think about, right? That's a terrible way to treat the little folk man. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make a pie in front of him later. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. God, I love Thomas. Right. And Butters is all freaked out. He's like, you didn't even feel that, did you? Feel what? Right. Itching up your eyeball, that's what. And then Butters gives kind of the background of how Karen has been in the past year and getting more and more prickly and she has issues with people going against orders, like dying and then coming back to life. And Thomas says, well, isn't she Catholic? Doesn't she know a guy? Right. Yeah. D don't they have a guy? Like, yeah, that was definitely the, the line I was getting to was mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. So. Okay. Now continue on. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think next is Gary, isn't it? So butters and everybody talking about things and then because that's the paranet guy's name right gary with the boats right gary so, yeah so crazy but not wrong gary. on the air now so i was wrong there's at least one male paranetter and it was boat gary and everyone's like boat gary and i'm like who the fuck is boat gary and then finally read it i'm like oh boat gary you know like yeah so he, he sent me like Four four hundred emails, including the last one, which is just all uppercase boats, boats, boats. But no, I think that happens later because we actually get like two passes at, at boat Gary. But yeah, um, you know them talking about boat rentals are four hundred percent higher, and he can statistically prove when evil is afoot or whatever, you know, by looking at patterns. So and um, Perrin is connected through Twitter, right? <laughs> but they don't really know what to do with that information yet. I think there was right. a guy who was like that in one of the early seasons of Supernatural. <laughs> he could, like, you know, predict where the demons attacks were going to be with his computer and shit. Yeah, the Mohawk guy from the... No, he had a mullet. Yeah, mullet. That's what I meant. Yeah. From the Roadhouse. Mm -hmm. Jesse, so... I think. No, Ash. Ash, yeah. He's fun. It was Ignoring Ash, that... Jesse, a Mohawk, a mullet. Ignoring. Ignoring. <laughs> Going back to Cold Base. After Harry gets stitched up a bit, he goes to get a clean shirt because it has been burned and Thomas has blood all over his uh, because he's been shot and Butters does his McCoy impression. Um, Murphy walks in and demands to have Bob the Skull back because she doesn't trust Harry with him. Right. 
Yeah. And then they kind of show down because for all that Harry might be leaning towards rapey in this book, he doesn't think of Murphy that way. He doesn't think of her as food. Right. Is that what you mean? Okay. Right. Uh, because Harry looking at Molly, he wants to do bad things to her. Harry looking at Murphy, she's an equal and a predator as well. Right. Well, yeah, because part of it is that he, even as scary as Molly is and as powerful as she is, he's never seen her on that level. So she's always going to be potential prey to the white mantle side, right? And that's part of what's being established. But yes, the you know the fact that he just got pummeled like a little bitch and then Murphy saved, showed up and saved him probably has a little bit of something to do with that. But he has also... Know, always consider her more of an equal in that way and i mean that we could argue goes all the way back to summer night and finally letting her in on you know everything so but anyway um i think the next part is the interrogation that i have so well he has a nice little side conversation where she decides that she's the custodian of those swords now so Right, right. It's yeah, it's all part of that same thing, right? Basically, that she's not giving the swords back because she doesn't think that he's ready for it and, and all that stuff. So, yes, and I think we're at an hour. If I've been keeping track of time correctly, if we want to stop, yeah. give or take. Okay, yeah. pick it up here next time. Yeah. So, I basically that's taken us to chapter twenty-eight. We have gotten through ten chapters this time. Yay. Uh, a pretty long last time. I was going to say that's less than last time by, right. by almost half. Yeah. We had really big tangents. Thank you, Andreas. <laughs> I mean, we have to figure out who Mac is. That's important shit. Yes, and we were going to do yeah. a podcast. <laughs> yeah. well, and it's well, only like the fifth time we've passed that. You know, we've had that conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, totally. It's slightly different every time. It's good to refresh. We'll get there. Anyway. At some point, we'll like just throwing darts at the board. We'll hit it at some point. Well, once you say everything, something's yeah. got to be it. Yeah. Like once we once we're told, we go back and we can say we we said it. Yeah, we said it, the word. That was one of those twenty-five things we said. <laughs> we guessed it. Uh, All right, Ben. You didn't okay. do it. So you got to do yeah, that. Yeah, this has been a production of the Broken Jars Network. You've been watching the Dresden Files podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Uh, go check out many of the other fine podcasts, uh, like <laughs> uh, High Fantasy, which is on hiatus. We got uh, we got uh, Andreas doing some role playing on uh, what is that one again? DMs Anonymous. DMs Anonymous. What you cover last time? What we covered last time? We covered. Uh, oh fuck! What did we cover? Uh, NPC creation. NPC. What any big tips? Are you yeah, still watching watch the episode? Great tip. Oh. Love tips. <laughs> <laughs> Number Fair one enough. tip. Watch the episode. Oh, <laughs> acting. We talked about acting NPCs, voice acting, stuff like that. That's what we talked about. Oh. Mm. Interesting. And uh so if you want to work on your butters gaming accent, go ahead and uh watch the uh, uh DMs Anonymous. Also we have a great Scott, a office that uh an office a podcast dedicated to the american office uh winding down it's getting close to the uh, last couple seasons for so office. Go. so uh let's see what else here oh and uh sim talk where we uh we have somebody named jacob i think yeah jay it's yes, yes. <laughs> and he does professional simulations it's a very professional podcast and he has real professionals on there it's a great production Go ahead, check it out as part of the Broken Jars Network. I think that's way to, it. Way to draw that Anything out. else? Please, no. Nope. No. <laughs> Until next time. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Okay, let me figure out how to stop this. <laughs> <laughs>